After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
אשת חיל
תודה שלפעמים, שלפעמים כל כך קשה, קשה לי. כי על ידי זה אני אומר תודה כשטוב לי. תודה גם על כל מה שאין לי. תודה גם על כל מה שלא הולך לי. הלא וגם על חושך, מודה אני. שלפעמים כל כך קשה, אי קשה לי. כי על ידי זה אני אומר תודה כשטוב לי. תודה, תודה גם על כל מה ש... שאין לי. תודה גם על כל מה שלא הולך לי. הלו וגם על חושך, מותי אני.
JM in the AM. There we go. Welcome to a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. That was Anabakoach uh, done by the Kinderlach. Derech uh, Achim had Mayim Rabim. Rak Lahodot. That was Micha Gammerman. Sandy Shmueli, brand new with Aishas Chayel. Lecha, brand new Mordechai Shapiro. Mirakade, brand new Simcha Liner. And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's a Friday on this December 22nd, day four. In the month of Teves, the year 5778, Tavshinai and Ches, it's Shabbos Parshas, Vayigash, with candlelighting time at 412 on this Erev Shabbos. 412, candlelighting time, an amazing Friday, plenty coming up between now and 9 a.m., as you would suspect. Jake Novak, contributing editor at um, CNBC, is going to be joining us. Talk a little bit about this uh, UN vote yesterday. Uh, we'll have that for you coming up. Or by Yudin, of course, at 8.15 this morning. Uh, coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Naomi Nachman, brand new table for two. Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zomik starts at 10 a.m. Uh, amazing programming all through the weekend, including JM Sunday, happening on Sunday morning at 7 a.m. with Matis Weingast. And then Monday's a legal holiday. We are here, of course, and most people in our community are going to be working on Monday, and we'll have school Monday. And, um, and Rabbi Gill's student... One of the uh, more interesting uh, people on social media, to say the least, and somebody who has uh, a lot to say about a lot of things. He'll be joining us. He's speaking at the Bialystoker Synagogue on um, Monday morning at 9.30. On the way to that appearance, he'll stop here at our JM in the AM studios, and we're looking forward to that this coming Monday. More coming up, 6.31, 29 minutes before 7 a.m. on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. You're listening to JM in the AM. We started out as slaves Made it to the motherland And they came the crusades It's been so many years Crying so many tears Don't you know, don't you really know We are pushed to the ground Through our faith we are found Standing strong The Spanish Inquisition Wanted us to bow but our banks ain't gonna bend Never then and never now It's been so many years Crying so many tears Don't you know, don't you really know We are pushed to the ground Through our faith we are found Standing strong We are a miracle We From above, we are a miracle. Extermination was the plan when the devil was a man. But the few who carried on live the millions who are gone. Don't you know, don't you really know We 
creator and our soul. Zit Shabbos, our day of peace to all our brothers that we greet. Shabbat Shalom, Likulam, come sing with me, one heart, one soul. This Till I can sing these songs again So I take it with me every day Till Shabbos comes and I can say Come join with me, my friends Kuna Ryan and all I share
the soldiers said or how the rain would pour. Sadie always kept a smile and wiped the tears away. Nothing could ever keep him down when he'd start to say, It's Shabbos now, Shabbos now, and I will sing.
Chalcellus Jr., that's Yaf Yafisa. Eighth day before that with its Shabbos now. L'chad done by Derech Achim. You heard Aryeh Kunstler in there, Mizmor Shir. Bowie Kala, that was Amram Adar. Lave Tahor with L'chad We are a miracle. Yaakov Shweki opened up that set. We are playing amazing music, I must say. And this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com. On the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio News is coming up. That's what you hear in the background is Galitzal. Malcolm Honline not able to make the weekly update this week. Uh, scheduling problem, uh, scheduling conflict. Uh, he'll return next week before the end of 2017. Jake Novak of CNBC is going to be joining us. Speak to him about the uh, UN and many other things. That'll happen about the 7.45 this morning here at JM&AM. Rabbi Yudin, of course. At 8.15, great programming all through the day. Yet another day where you want to make sure to be with us all day long at America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, so you want to be with us all day long at the NachumSingle Network. And don't forget, uh, those of you who are heading out for the weekend or for the week, because a lot of people are on vacation the last week of the year, Make sure you download all the shows on our app that you'd like to listen to and haven't had a chance to listen to. All right? Go to our app, the NSN Nahum Single Network app. Download all the shows you want to hear, and then you can listen to them on the plane or or anywhere. Simple as that. All right? And uh, and that'll be that. And we will get to our news from Israel in a second when I get this out of the way. There we go. Galitzal News next. יושב ראש הרשות הפלסטינית אבו מאזן אומר, נסרב לכל יוזמת שלום אמריקנית. כתבנו נתנאל דרשן. מפגישה עם נשיא צרפת מקרון בפריז, טען אבו מאזן כי ארצות הברית פצלה את עצמה מלשמש מתווכת בתהליך השלום, בשל הכרתה בירושלים כבירת ישראל. בנוסף, גינה יושב ראש הרשות הפלסטינית את איום הנשיא טראמפ, לפיו יקצץ תמיכה כלכלית במדינות שהצביעו נגד ההכרה אמש באו"ם. נשיא צרפת מקרון הבהיר כי מבחינתו פתרון שתי המדינות ואוסיף כי צרפת תכיר ממדינה פלסטינית בזמן הנכון כהגדרתו ולא תחת לחץ. במקביל, נשיא רוסיה פוטין ונשיא טורקיה ארדואן שוחחו בטלפון לפני זמן קצר. השניים הסכימו שהסכסוך בין ישראל לפלסטינים צריך להיפתר לפי החוק הבינלאומי, כך על פי הקרמלין. עימותים בין פלסטינים לבין כוחות הביטחון באזור בית לחם וחברון. כתבתנו בשטחים, כרמל דנגור. קרוב לאלף פלסטינים מתעמתים כעת עם כוחות הביטחון במספר מוקדים ביהודה ושומרון, בהם מחנה הפליטים אל ערוב, הכניסה הצפונית לבית לחם, חברון והכפר בית אומר, קלקיליה ורמאללה. המתפרעים מיידים אבנים ומשליכים בקבוקי תבערה לעבר הכוחות, שמגיבים באמצעים לפיזור הפגנות. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו מינה את ראש המל"ל והיועץ לביטחון לאומי מאיר בן שבת לתפקיד השליח לעניינים מדיניים של ראש הממשלה. בן שבת יחליף בתפקידו את עורך הדין יצחק מולכו שיסיים את כהונתו ב-1 בינואר. כתבתנו אילאיל שחר מזכירה כי עורך הדין מולכו הודיע על פרישתו מהתפקיד לפני כחודשיים. שר החוץ של בריטניה בוריס ג'ונסון אמר לעמיתו הרוסי אנחנו יודעים שניסיתם להתערב במשאל העם להיפרדות בריטניה מהאיחוד האירופי. 
כתבנו אופיר יונתן. בפגישה עם שר החוץ של רוסיה, סרגי לברוב, הבהיר ג'ונסון כי ישנן הוכחות ברורות להתערבותה של רוסיה במערכות בחירות ברחבי העולם, וכי היא דווקא במשאל העם על פרישת בריטניה מהאיחוד האירופי. התערבות מוסקבה לא צלחה. ג'ונסון הוסיף כי העובדה שישנם יחסים עכורים בין בריטניה לבין רוסיה היא אמת עצובה. ראש ממשלת ספרד מריאנו רחוי צפוי לנאום בעוד כשעה ולהתייחס לתוצאות הבחירות בקטלוניה. כתבנו ניר שוויד. בבחירות שנערכו אתמול השיגו המפלגות התומכות בעצמאות החבל רוב בפרלמנט, ביניהן גם מפלגתו של נשיא החבל לשעבר קרלס פוג'דמון. פוג'דמון הגולה כעת בבריסל הצהיר כי הוא מוכן להיפגש עם ראש ממשלת ספרד מריאנו רחוי ואמר שישוב לברצלונה בקרוב למרות הסיכון במעצר באשמת המרדה. תחזית מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע, מעונן וחם מהרגיל בעונה. ביום ראשון תרדנה הטמפרטורות וירד גשם. אלה החדשות שעורכת ענבר טוויזר. בצוות עופר צ'יזיק ושחר עמרן.
JM in the AM, Eitan Freilich with that one. It's called the Hayulim Shisa off of Am Yisrael Chai. Ushmo Bukhari Shmo, that's where you'll find the Lachadodi we did from Benzion Solomon earlier here at the JM in the AM. That's how we started the uh, music in the 7 o'clock hour. Good morning, all. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. It is Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash, candle lighting 412 here in the New York area. Legal holiday Monday, Rabbi Gil's student who speaks at the Bialystoker Shul this coming Monday on the topic of plagiarism, why the Rishonim could do it, but we can't. Um, he'll be the um, he'll be visiting JM and the AM before that appearance Monday morning at the Bialystoker Synagogue. So Rabbi Gil's student joins us uh, this coming um, Monday. He's a book publisher, pioneer Torah blogger, runs the Torah Musings website, writes frequently in Jewish newspapers and magazines on issues of halacha and hashkafa. Rabbi Gil's student visits JM and the AM this coming Monday, and we are very much looking forward to it. I want to remind everybody that the Talmud Torah of Flatbush continues their uh, amazing lecture series. I got a report this week about the number of people that have been getting to the uh, Talmud Torah of Flatbush lecture series. Just amazing. They're doing quite a job over there. Rabbi Stephen Przansky tomorrow night. Rabbi Stephen Przansky tomorrow night on the future of non-orthodoxy. Rabbi Stephen Przansky tomorrow night on the future of non-orthodoxy. That's happening again at the uh, Talmud Torah Flatbush in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, 1305. Yeah, 1305 Coney Island Avenue. In uh, Brooklyn, between avenues I and J, it'll start at 8 p.m. Or by Stephen Przansky, the future of non-orthodoxy in Brooklyn tomorrow night. Uh, yesterday, Dougie was in our studio. Dougie was in our studio yesterday, and uh, the Pesach 2018 announcement is now not only official, but has some unbelievable official addendums to it. <laughs> uh there are some wonderful and remarkable people in our community who are going to be joining the Pesach program that we will be with at the Douglas Sokloff Experience in Las Vegas at the Weston Lake Las Vegas Resort and Spa uh, this coming Pesach for 2018. And everybody out there is invited to uh, come along, join in. Saw Coach Daniel Tamir last night at the YU game. He is, uh, as you heard uh, Doug mention the other day, he is uh, part of the uh, program uh, for the kids. So that should be fun. And um, there we go. And um, information about all of this for Pesach 2018, 1-800-826-5645, 1-800-826-5645, or info at SokloffExperience.com. Info at S-O-C-L-O-F-E-X-P, SokloffExp. Dot com. Uh, I remind you, and we'll speak later on this morning with Shimon Lefkowitz, I remind you there's an event in Brooklyn this coming Sunday night, uh, a community response to the tragedy in Flatbush. Divrei Hisorus from Rav Moshe Bergman, Revelia Brodny, Rav Lipa Geltworth, and Rav David Ozeri. It's happening this Sunday night at 8 p.m. Uh, at Kahal B'nai Avraham Yaakov, 2701 Avenue N., in Brooklyn, New York. It's for men and women. It's a response to the tragedy in Flatbush with Divrei Hisorus. And I also remind you that there is, under Rabbi Ozeri's auspices, an emergency campaign for the Azan family. To donate, you can go online, gofundme.com. Gofundme.com. You will search for the Azan family fire fund and you will find it. 
You can also make checks payable to Yad Yosef and drop them off at Hatbox on Coney Island Avenue at Avenue O in Brooklyn, New York, or mail them to uh, 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, 11213. Again, you would you would make checks payable to Yad Yosef, and you would mail them to Arem, A-R-E-M, 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, New York, 11213. So you make checks payable to Yad Yosef and either drop them off at the hat box in Coney Island Avenue or uh, mail them to Arem, A-R-E-M, 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, 11213. Also want to remind everybody out there that the Young Israel Affair Lawn has a very special Shabbos. Rabbi Tzvi Ram, our rabbi here at the Bialystoker Synagogue, is going to be visiting as scholar-in-residence the Young Israel Affair Lawn, 11-05 Saddle River Road, um, this coming Shabbos, uh, starting tonight. Tonight, the year will be at the Young Israel, starting at 745. The Three Oaths. Policy statement for the state of Israel? That is the uh, question that will be answered by Rabbi Ram tonight. Shabbos morning, he'll give a primus of drusha, shalashudis, a shir on Inyane Dioma, and Matze um, Shabbos at 7.30 p.m., a shir at the Blumenthal home on Not Terrace in Fairlawn. For all of this, you want to contact the Young Israel of Fairlawn, and um, I am assuming there's a website. Um, yifl.org yifl.org Young Israel Fairlawn All right, so that's uh, Rabbi Ram is appearing there uh, tomorrow night to keep that excuse me tonight and Shabbos so keep that in mind Uh, keep that in mind uh, for Fairlawn, New Jersey um, happening again uh, this Shabbos as scholar in residence out there in Fairlawn. Want to take this opportunity to wish a very special Mazel Tov to the Safless family. It is no secret that the Safless family and the Bottom Line Marketing Group family are both very close with the Seagulls and with the Nahum Siegel Network. And uh, this coming Shabbos, Parshas Vayigash, starting tomorrow morning in Brooklyn, New York, the celebration begins Avigdor's Bar Mitzvah. Uh, and we wish the entire Safflis family, and of course, uh, Yitzchak and Esther Safflis, and their son, Avigdor, and the entire family, a very, very special Mazel Tov. That's where the celebration begins uh, with the big Bar Mitzvah Shabbos tomorrow, and then uh, Sunday night in Brooklyn, New York, a major celebration taking place uh, as well uh, for Avigdor. So I take this opportunity to wish Avigdor Safflis a big Mazel Tov, to wish Yitzchak and Esther Safflis a big Mazel Tov to wish everyone a bottom line marketing group, a big Mazel Tov. And um, uh, Victor, what can I tell you? Your parents are amazing. Uh, they have an incredible family. And uh, your father leads an unbelievable team that we appreciate. And so many people in, the, in our community uh, worldwide appreciate on a daily basis. And uh, you should have the opportunity to follow in your parents' footsteps uh, because they really are remarkable people. So a Mazal Tov going out to Yitzchak and Esther Safflis and, of course, the Bar Mitzvah boy, Avigdor, and the entire family from all of us here at JM in the AM. The um, uh, Earlier in the week, I uh, got a communique from listener Sina. Oh, and by the way, I got to thank listener Sina. She knows why. <laughs> I walked into my house last night. There was a, uh, a, bu- a beautiful addition uh, courtesy of the Eisenman, so thank you very, very much. Um, yeah, don't worry. I'll contact her in a minute on, on Facebook. Uh, 
So, uh, listener Cena made us aware of the um, of the fact that uh, this Friday, this Friday uh, today, is a um, is a big day for Zadie, Florida. That's right, a big shout out to the amazingly talented uh, dad, Ira Eisenman, also known as Zadie, Florida, whose uh, birthday is uh, tomorrow. Um, his family says, Abba, we thought you'd enjoy a little walk down memory lane 41 years later, and Baruch Hashem, you're still singing. May Hashem give you many more years of good health till 120 to keep singing and entertaining us, which you certainly do. That's with love from Shoshana and Yaakov, uh, Sarah and Shimshi, uh, Tzipi and Shayadov, and all the children. And of course, Ima too. Ima is Bubby, Florida. Anyway, we take this opportunity to wish Ira a very, very Special Mazel Tov. When we go back, we go back with our friends from Ruach, Ira and his uh, amazing friends from Ruach here at JM in the AM.
I hope listener Ira is tuned in because uh, that's quite a trip down memory lane, to say the least. Wow. With the uh, folks from Ruach, the original Ruach. And uh, you know what? Why don't we just go for a nice double play while we're paying tribute to Zadie Florida and wishing him a happy birthday on this Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Why not just go for a double play? Uh, his children and grandchildren thought he would like to hear this one this morning as well. And I think they felt that we would like to hear it as well. And they are right. Another golden oldie for you right here at JM in the AM. Happy birthday, Ira. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
A song composed in this studio, believe it or not. Now it's on Shirei Pinchas, volume number three. Uh, it was composed on the air during our conversation with Pinchas Wolf. Uh, that's called Good Shabbos here at JM. It's on Shirei Pinchas, volume number three. Uh, that's where you will find it. Uh, what do we have here? Um, there we go. Uh, Micha Gammerman, brand new with Bowie Kahlo off of A Child of Hashem. That's the name of that album. JM and the AM at 7.40 in the morning. Uh, Malcolm Honline normally joins us Friday mornings here at JM the AM. Not able to uh, join us this morning. A scheduling conflict. Our weekly update with Malcolm Honline will return uh, next week, a week from today, 7.40 Eastern time here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Candle lighting time at 4.12 on this Erev Shabbos. Jake Novak, CNBC. Uh, contributing editor, is going to join us uh, coming up in the next few minutes. He always has interesting analysis when it comes to uh, significant things happening out there. In this case, the UN vote and uh, other pieces of interesting news that have been happening over the last couple of weeks. So we'll speak with him coming up right here at JM and the AM. I remind you that the uh, uh, there's an emergency uh, campaign for the Azan family uh, four people of which uh, uh, perished, of course, in that terrible fire over Hanukkah. And everybody out there is encouraged to uh, do what you can to help the uh, surviving members of the family get back on their feet. Uh, the emergency fund is a GoFundMe campaign. If you go if you go to the website, GoFundMe.com, uh, search Azan Family Fire Fund. Also, you can make checks payable to Yad Yosef. You can make checks payable to Yad Yosef. They can be dropped off at Hatbox at 1837 Coney Island Avenue at Avenue O in Brooklyn, or they can be mailed to the Aram family, A-R-E-M. They're at 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, 11213. Again, 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, 11213, and those are made payable to Yad Yosef. I want to thank those who are commenting on our app and checking in from around the world. As we conduct our Friday morning JM in the AM broadcast, uh, someone writes here, Shabbat Shalom from the Pilachowski Palace in Mitzpah, Yericho, Israel. <laughs> there you go. Um, any, uh, someone says here that uh, oh, they enjoyed the eighth day selection at Shabbos now. Yeah, that's a good one to say the least. And um, want to acknowledge those who are on our app including listener Love Yerushalayim, who are tuned in from the Holy Land. They, in fact, write, good morning from Eretz, Israel. 7.42, 18 minutes before 8 o'clock. Jake Novak's going to join us and more coming up. Brand new Simcha Liner at JM in the AM. Shalom, 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 Shalom,
J.M. in the A.M., 746, 14 minutes before 8 o'clock. Good morning, all, on this Friday, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. Malcolm Honline, uh, usually with us at this time with the weekly update. Malcolm is not available this week, scheduling conflict, not able to join us. Weekly update will return one week from today here at 740 Eastern Time at J.M. in the A.M. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com, continuing to use our content for a bunch of uh, great news stories that they continue to publish on a daily basis. Check out not only their Simcha news, but their news feed each day at OnlySimchas.com. Big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. JewishWorldReview.com continues to uh, suggest thousands, and I don't even think I'm exaggerating, of articles that you could be reading about Israel and the Jewish world. You can print them out before Shabbos and just be be accompanied by a stack of articles <laughs> to your Shabbos table. Um, and uh, JewishWorldReview.com... Um, uh, encourages everybody to uh, to tune into us on a regular basis, which we appreciate, and we encourage you to uh, to go to the site and uh, to see what they have to offer. They have an incredible amount of material. Check them out today, JewishWorldReview.com. And don't forget, our year-end campaign is on, meaning that it's almost the end of 2017, and there's so many people listening right now who love donating to good causes uh, toward the end of the calendar year. Keep us in mind. Support the great work of JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Go uh, go to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Again, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. How do you access them? How do you uh, give online? FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. Uh, Jake Novak is with us live via telephone. He is senior editorial columnist at CNBC. And joins us on this Friday morning broadcast. Jake, welcome back to JM in the AM. Always great to be here with you, Nachum. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. The United Nations General Assembly voted 128 to 9 with a bunch of abstentions on Thursday, yesterday, in favor of a resolution condemning President Trump's recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Jake Novak, what was your reaction? Well, you know, I, I felt like I was Avraham complaining with, uh, to God about saving Saddam. I mean, it was really bad. We knew that this was a, a basically a, a corrupt organization. But, you know, we had a few more abstentions than we were used to having in these kinds of resolutions. I don't know if we can consider that good news or not. Um, I guess it's somewhat encouraging. I think what it really means is not so much a great love for Israel, but it does mean that the U.S. cloud is still somewhat strong. Um, and Trump might be getting through to a few more countries. And as we've seen in the Middle East here and there, when Israel makes a new friend or a new sort of cold peace with someone, every time that happens, there is a little bit of um, progress. So maybe it isn't as, you know, the news isn't all bad, but of course, it, it's incredibly depressing. The, the, the UN has become about 50% of what it does, at least officially, it seems to be anti-Israel activities. And oh, no. what a waste of time, money, and all the good things they could be doing that they're not doing. Yeah, what's interesting about the, about the roster of countries in the three categories in favor of the resolution condemning the U.S., those against and those who abstain, is that in the column of in favor, France, Germany, and Japan, just for example, couldn't couldn't have the wherewithal to at least abstain from the vote, which is unbelievable when you think about it. And then, you know, Canada abstains. Czech Republic, who you'll recall, were the first to say that they would seriously consider following the U.S. lead of moving their own embassy to Jerusalem, even they abstained from this vote. Yeah, you know, I mean, that just goes to show that there's still political fence-straddling going on. That's nothing new. 
Um, it, there's just a tremendous amount of cowardice, and a big part of cowardice is just not accepting the truth. And that is something that we've seen in the U.N. for a very long time. There's a long way to go. But, I, I, you know, again, those people, I, I think you get a feeling in the American um, punditry that this was a bad thing, because even though, even the more realistic ones, so even though they know the U.N. is kind of corrupt, why would you want to bring this out into the open? It's so embarrassing, and it, it embarrasses the United States. It embarrasses those countries. And I, I think that, you know, if there's one thing we've learned from the election of Donald Trump is that some of these things that we've accept, accepted as the new normal, well, we've got to accept a little bit of terrorism. We've got to accept a little bit of this kind of political chicanery and corruption. Uh, I think a lot more people in the regular voting public, whether it's here in the United States or certainly in Britain, as we saw with the Brexit vote, they're tired of that. Right. So I think the point is that this isn't a bad thing for us to have these kinds of resolutions and votes because it does put everyone's cards on the table, and, it helps, and I think it helps us move forward. Jake Novak with us, CNBC. Yeah, but there are a couple of points, though, that I think are uh, are, first of all, what do you think of the Trump-Haley threat? What did you think of the fact that both the president and the uh, ambassador are, are, are basically telling the countries of the world, you know, we're watching you very closely, and we give you a, many of you a lot of money, and, and we have a lot of things you guys want, and we're going to watch very closely who's voting against us in the U.N. I mean, w w I don't think we've ever seen, you know, a threat like that from the United States administration against countries, you know, in that type of forum. What do you think of that? Well, I think it's long, long overdue. I mean, if you want to know one of the biggest issues that is that absolutely exemplifies a dichotomy between Washington, the establishment in Washington, and the rest of the country, a foreign aid has to be the number one issue. I can't think of an issue that I could go down with a polling company up and down this country that would get more of a solid, you know, negative reaction than the words foreign aid. I mean, I think I, think I could get 70% of the American people, which you never get on any poll these days, to say that they would be in favor of cutting foreign aid. And that might be a little bit, you know, a little bit of a difference that they say completely cutting or not. But if I said, I, what if we wanted to cut foreign aid in the next year's budget? I think we would get 70% approval from the American people. But establishment politicians from both parties for many decades have, have wanted to suppress that desire of the public so that they can make their own deals, and some of them for good reasons. But this is long, long overdue, Noham. The fact is the United States, and, and those people who, a lot of people argue, well, foreign aid isn't a big part of our budget. We shouldn't make that discussion as far as balancing our budget. You know, again, that's the thing. It's death from a million cuts when it comes to our budget. Foreign aid is so unpopular. It should be cut in a lot of instances. In some cases, it should be kept. It depends on the country. And this is a great discussion for us to start having. I mean, I can't think of a, of a president, sitting president, you know, candidates have said it in the past, but an actual sitting president saying the idea that foreign aid is going to be up for debate, you, 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 even though it's on a case-by-case -case basis, that's a big deal. And again, that goes beyond the UN and beyond Israel. I think this is an American issue that really needs to be addressed. Yeah, it's funny because for those who question the Micronesia love for Israel, they always point out that the foreign aid is the key to them. But it's funny, if, if we were to put together a list, I'm not putting you on the spot, I just want your guess. If we're putting together a list of these 128 countries who voted against the U.S., how many of them or what percentage likely are getting some type of foreign aid from the U.S.? It must be the majority of them. Yeah, that, that's more than 60%. Absolutely. And that, that's a good guess. And um, and that's not and that's just in the sort of direct programs, you know, that you can basically you could say it's money. Right. Uh, there's other kinds of support, you know. There's there's trade support. There are trade there there are deals where we basically allow countries to trade with us on an evil on an even basis or a fair basis. So it's it's really hard to quantify sometimes in dollars how much aid these countries get from us. And the fact that they're sitting in the UN under U.S. protection, don't forget that. No, no, I mean, you know, between between the free parking and everything else, there, yeah. there's a cost to the United States for all that. No question about that. Jake Novak is with us, senior editor editorial columnist CNBC talking about the UN vote yesterday the um 
one of the things that is is um, <laughs> I shouldn't say difficult for me to understand because I, I'm too old to say that, and I've been watching the news for too many years. But we we see the outreach that's being done, not only from Israel to, for instance, African nations, but let's say, for example, African nations to Israel, right? Those who are begging Israel for their technology, those who are begging Israel for the prime minister to visit, to acknowledge them, to start trade deals, to, to advance them into the 21st century. And yet these countries, you know, who are dying for some type of commitment from Israel, uh, and many of them are already enjoying it, as we know, as we've seen, you know, the prime minister visit and we've seen the type of relationships that are being formed. They they cannot get the wherewithal to be outspoken in defense of Israel. Well, you know, this is uh, something that is one of those very, very frustrating things about Africa. They are absolutely moving forward economically. And Africa is is really the place to, to be if you're looking for explosive economic growth and real modernization over the next few decades. But their governments are corrupt. <laughs> they just are. I mean, I, I urge everyone listening to pick up a relatively short book by a woman named Ambiza Moyo. It's called Dead Aid. And her book talks about how African government, the African people are quite innovative. They are really moving in the right direction, but their governments undercut them every time. And the problem is Western governments deal with the, with the African governments first and not with individual business people and not with individuals, uh, just regular people in Africa. So money gets stolen. Uh, decisions get made for silly personal political reasons that may have nothing to do with anything going on in the rest of their country. And I think we're seeing that in the U.N. very regularly. But it's a fantastic book, and it really explains why. Why almost every effort the United States and the West has made to help Africa has failed because of government corruption. And for some reason, Africa is still making some strides. But boy, they have to get uh, clear such a hurdle with, with uh, you know corrupt leadership in almost every one of them. So countries. even with Israel's help, and even with them advancing certain countries uh, with technology, etc., until you get past the hurdle you just described, uh, not much progress is going to be made. Yeah, we're going to need new leadership in some of these countries. And when we start seeing people coming from maybe different tribes, literally different tribes, or certainly different political groups taking over and, and winning elections or uh, otherwise getting control, then maybe we can start re- readdress it. But I just wouldn't expect help in the U.N. right now uh, because it's just it's a long tradition of political corruption, even when they're making better decisions behind the scenes. You know, the U.N. might want to take up an emergency session about that corruption uh, situation, you know. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. They're spending a lot of time in emergency sessions about Israel, I can tell you that much. Jake Novak on the telephone, CNBC. Um, all right, so now it's uh, almost one year. I mean, we're talking about uh, uh, 2017, the first year of the Trump administration. Uh, we know what happened with the um, with his statements about Israel and Jerusalem and the um, uh, proposed move, the actual... Uh, start uh, to the move of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. We see what happened this week with the uh, Rabashkin uh, sentence commutation, which uh, got um, tremendous reaction in the Jewish world, certainly in certain segments of the Jewish world. And many of us felt that, um, if not if not almost everybody, felt that at least uh, when it comes to justice, that uh, uh, he had been given a, uh, a much too harsh of a sentence. How would you evaluate on those issues and uh, and otherwise, how would you evaluate the Trump's uh, the first year of the Trump administration vis-a-vis Israel and the Jewish people? Well, I think it's been very, very good. Um, the good things are these policies that are that mean a lot more 
than any kind of stray comment that he may or may not have made, and we'll get to that in a second. But the the recognition of Jerusalem, as I as I wrote about for CNBC, and I've said many times, is a very very big step forward for peace because in the history of the of the Middle East, when the Arabs are faced with the rock solid truth that not only that Israel is here to stay, but the United States support for Israel is very very strong, that's when we get peace. That's when we got peace with Egypt. That's when we got peace with Jordan. And and I think that's been a big part of this cold peace or, or cooperation where you know Israel's getting with Saudi Arabia. So that was a tremendous, tremendous move, not just for the Jewish people in Israel, but for all of the Middle East. The Rubashkin thing is, I don't think, as big a, a, a message to the whole Jewish world or even a big message on policy at all. I think this is just a case of Trump actually being aware of this particular case because of certain connections that he has personally. And uh, I couldn't agree more. I, 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 you know, There's no doubt that Rubashkin was guilty of just about every single crime that he was accused of. But 27 years for what amounted to $27 million of fraud was ridiculously oppressive. It was more than Jeff Skilling of Enron got, more than Bernie Evers of WorldCom got. These were much bigger frauds. These had much bigger economic impact. And his, and his sentence deserved to be commuted. I don't really think there's a big message there, but it was. But you know, it's just good to see a president using the, his clemency powers for a good reason and not to make a big political statement. Because you know, when they do that, they wait until their last year in office and people kind of rot in jail while right. they're waiting to make their, their, their decision. So I think that in general you've seen a very, very good... Um, response to certain Jewish issues and Israel issues. And of course, the one misstep was a silly statement he made about this incredibly ridiculous event in Charlottesville earlier this year, where a a manufactured white supremacist march went on. The president was informed that there were some people involved in that march who were not white supremacists, but were just in favor of free speech. And then he made this unfortunate comment that some very fine people were marching in that. And of course, the news media and everyone else decided to miss. Uh, quote him as saying, white supremacists are very fine people, which was really tremendous dishonesty by the news media. The USA Today made the same uh, deliberate mistake uh, just a couple weeks ago in one of their editorials. It was really, really disgusting. But let's not absolve President Trump completely from, from, from that issue. He really needs to be more careful uh, with these kinds of statements because they get misconstrued sometimes uh, on purpose. But in general, this has been more than I think any major Jewish organization or Jewish community could have asked for in this first year. And if, um, and if I would have asked you a year ago before the inauguration, I don't think anybody could have predicted this type of relationship that the president seems to be having with the Jewish world. No, because he was he was a little bit coy about American relations with Israel during the campaign. I mean, right. The moments where he just said, like, well, maybe we need to be a little bit more even-handed, and it was right. just such a depressing statement for him to say. And clearly, it was just another one of those off-the-cuff, careless mista- you know, comments that he makes sometimes. And that's frustrating, because presidential messaging power is very, very important. You can't let a president off the hook for saying a stray comment. You just can never do that. So this is a problem that he needs to get uh, controlled. However, I'm in the camp that says actions speak louder than words, even when it's a president because it's close, because presidents words sometimes are actions. But his actions have been much more important than a stray mistake here and there in his comments. Jake Novak is with us. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Jake Novak is senior editorial columnist for CNBC. What do you think of the uh, tax bill? You know, I loved the tax bill on the business side. Uh, The corporate tax cut, I think, is long overdue. That was very, very straightforward and clear. And uh, it got better and better on the small business side of things. Uh, Basically, small business is getting an even bigger tax cut. And as many of us know, it's really small business that does all the hiring. I know we're getting a lot of headlines right now about companies giving bonuses and raises, big corporations like AT&T and Boeing giving big corporations, uh, you know, bonuses and raises. That'll probably peter out. But job creation 
innovation comes from small businesses in this country, and they're getting a big tax cut. I don't love every part of the individual tax cut, but that's just not that's not just because I live in New York and there's some there's some trade-offs New Yorkers and people in New Jersey and, and California are going to have to deal with. The only reason why I don't love the individual part as much is because I'm a strong believer in cutting taxes for everyone across the board by the same percentage, and then you make up the lost revenue with cuts with cutting spending. This right. is the Ronald Reagan um, recipe that works so well, uh, and I, I just don't understand why conservatives or any Republican can't get behind that. Actually, I do understand it. It's a question of basically they, they cannot get away from rewarding certain friends and punishing certain enemies in their policy. That's disappointing. But even the individual tax cut part of it is not all bad. There's some very good things in it. I think middle class people who don't itemize their taxes and don't live in, in, in blue states like, like us uh, are going to do very well in this. And honestly, it's a little bit elitist of those of us in New York who make a certain amount of money and live in a certain type of house to get all in a twist over the fact that you know, a single mother in the middle of the country who makes forty or $50,000 a year is going to get a big tax cut in the percentage of her earning. So before we start castigating the president over this kind of thing, we need to be very clear that this is basically, for most people, a tax cut, and that's a good thing. Uh, so you do agree, then, when I say that the, uh, the only, th- that the most recent real tax cut in this country was the Reagan tax cut? Yeah, I mean, we got a very, we got very brief tax cuts under President George W. Bush. And then the major, major tax cut that was not for, you know, again, I agree with you, not a real tax cut, it really didn't hit a lot of people, but it hit the big corporations and it hit big uh, Wall Street firms, was the capital gains tax that Bill Clinton agreed to pretty much under the gun with Newt Gingrich in 1996 and went into effect in 1997. And that's what started the explosion of, the, of Wall Street at that time. Um, but that doesn't affect everybody. This is the first really across the board middle class kind of thing. We have not seen that for a long time. One of the things that I've loved so much about this, the only thing that I think is 100% fantastic on the individual side is the doubling of the standard deduction for people mm. who don't itemize. Right. And now listen, you and I probably itemize. I mean, I'm not going to make an assumption about you, but I certainly itemize. Right. It doesn't seem like a big boost to us, but most people in America itemize their taxes, and they're getting a double, uh, double of their standard deduction. And that's the first, and you're right, first time since Reagan, since people like that have seen something really visible in their, in their taxes. Yeah, those of us affiliated with foundations, we take that as welcome news, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, how many people at the holiday parties are asking you what Bitcoin is all about? Well, you know, this is a very interesting thing. I, so I've written about Bitcoin a lot. And, you know, when you write about Bitcoin, you get a massive army of people on social media <laughs> who basically either want to kill you or sometimes they want to make you a god. And, and so I kind of... Uh, I, I, they were kind of confused about what to do with me because I, around the time that uh, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon and other people were saying Bitcoin was worthless, I came out very much pushing against that. I believe Bitcoin has a tremendous amount of value. I just think that a, tr- a good percentage of its value is connected to, unfortunately, it's the criminal activity that, that it spawns. People can easily launder money with Bitcoin. They can get anonymity from Bitcoin. I think that this attribute, this, this basically is, I would say, 30, 40, maybe even 50 percent of its value, but it's still very valuable. I mean, geez, if you say if you're going to slash 50% off of Bitcoin where it's trading right now, and by the way, it changes every second, but you're still talking about six, seven thousand dollars, even if you uh, per Bitcoin, even if you slash it by 50%. What, what is it right now? Around thirteen thousand? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a joke about a, a kid who asks his father for Hanukkah for a Bitcoin, and he says, "Listen, I don't have fifteen thousand dollars. What do you need sixteen thousand dollars for? Twelve thousand five hundred dollars? I don't have right now. I mean, <laughs> in, in the course of three seconds, it changes. Because the but, reason um, I'm the reason I still I'm think a- it's very valuable. The reason I'm asking for the number right now is we're sitting on the twenty second of December. And, it, and, even, and even people who know nothing about economics like myself always, always have been told that January 1st of any year um, usually creates some type of change and usually a change 
in the downward direction. Is it possible that Bitcoin will just collapse uh, once the uh, new year is with us? I don't think it'll completely collapse, but we might see it back down in the single digits, you know, single doubt below 10,000. We right. might see that. But I do think that inherently it has a tremendous amount of value. It will become a new commodity in the, in the ways that we think of oil, in the ways we think of fine art, the ways we think of precious metals, uh, which means that it's not going to be the $500,000, $600,000 uh, per Bitcoin thing that some people are predict- predicting. I think that that's unrealistic. I also think that governments are absolutely going to do what they can to crack down on the anonymity and the money laundering connected to it, and that will take away some of its trading value. It just will. But it's still valuable. It's valuable because of its portability. It's valuable for people who do foreign exchange. It, uh, so it's not going away, but I just don't think that it's going... And I, so I don't think it's going to crash, but I also don't think that this is a chance... You know, right now, if someone's buying and right now, they shouldn't expect to see the kind of 5,000% increase that people have gotten, you know, if they bought it a couple of years ago. Is there an Israeli connection to any of this, to these, uh, to these cryptocurrencies? Uh, boy, who, who would be surprised if there were... If there, yeah, you know, exactly. Absolutely, there must be. <laughs> Um, whether or not, I mean, there, there are some issues, I think, you know, you know the, 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 that question needs to be answered on two ways. Economically, where I think that there are some things where Israel could have some fantastic advantages in the way that Bitcoin is mined and moved. On the other hand, Israel could face some vulnerabilities, because again, who do you think uses Bitcoin for money laundering a lot of the time? I'm talking about terrorists and other organizations that are hostile to Israel. So it's probably a wash for Israel as far as that's concerned until we get some kind of bigger crackdown from governments on the way that it's being used for nefarious purposes. Uh, Finally, Jake Novak, you're you're surrounded at your office, I would assume, by a lot of people who know a lot about economics. Sure. Uh, And and I'm curious if I were to take a poll at your holiday party uh, of what what has impressed uh, your colleagues the most from Israel, which uh, which um, uh, company, uh, which um, uh, uh, what's the word startup? You know, which, I don't know if it's Waze or if it's um, Mobile Eye. You know, wh- which is the one where you saw you know people react with awe of what was coming out of Israel. You know, it, not so much over this past year, but, but over my entire tenure, about five and a half years at CNBC, I would have to say it's Mobileye wow. um, because of the way that major auto companies who don't traditionally absorb new technology very quickly. Boy, did we learn that the hard way if you lived in, you know, you grew up in, like, like I did in America in the 1970s. Boy, right. did we learn about how American auto companies do not absorb new technology quickly. Right. They still don't do it quickly enough. But Mobileye has been swallowed up by, by American and foreign automakers so quickly. And, of course, you know, now, Nahum, they're moving into the next step. You know, Mobileye has done this outer, outside of the car technology right. where they can see. Now they are moving into the inside of the car, which is going to be crucial for self-driving cars. Self-driving cars need to know who's in the car, what they're doing and when they're doing it, right. and Mobileye is going to make that possible. It's going to make uh, self-driving cars closer to a reality very, you know, very quickly. So I would have to say it's Mobileye. You know, our auto industry uh, reporter here, Phil LeBeau, who's very, very connected with all the transportation industry, uh, has mentions Mobileye all the time. And there was a period a couple of years ago where he was amazed at how quickly the American automakers were working and, and taking on that technology. Interesting. So you essentially, based on, on, on what you said before, uh, you agree that um, not much has changed in the uh, automobile in the uh what is it now, 100 years, close to 100 years? Not much not, has changed over the not, years. Not, not enough. Not enough. I mean, it's not still um, not as safe as it should be. I mean, even though it's a lot safer, I mean, right. there's still, there are still so many parts of, of driving that are not 
the greatest. I think, though, you don't want to put, I don't want to put all the blame on the auto industry for that. I think another, a big part of it is just the way that we design our roads and design our highways in this country. You know, a lot of people, when we talk about infrastructure in this country, they think, oh, the problem is it's, it's falling apart. And that is certainly a problem in certain areas. But the biggest problem is the way they're designed in the first place. For those of us who have ever been on the Cross Bronx Expressway, I know a lot of the listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, you could repave that thing every five seconds, and it still wouldn't work right. It's not – so that is a big problem. I mean, automobiles can only do what the roads, you know, what the roads allow them to do. Right. And our roads and bridges and everything else like that, even when they're in the best condition, are not designed best for our economy, not designed best for safety, period. And that needs to change. And, and before you know, we get into our trillion-dollar infrastructure you know, building program that everyone is promising, we better figure out what's worth keeping and what's not worth keeping before we start fixing stuff that doesn't work. Jake, when's the last time you were in Israel? Uh, a little about ten, more than a year. It's been February, March of 2016. Oh, fairly recently. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, that, speaking of Ipswich, that that's a country that is doing some things right and some things wrong when it comes to transportation. I love all the stories about light rail and major rail connections going on in Israel, but Tel Aviv, the streets of Tel Aviv are clogged until late at night every night. Right. That's a problem. That's not good for the economy. That's not good for for safety. So uh, you know, Israel is one of those things where they're doing some things right, some things wrong. I, I I think they're doing more things right than the United States is in, on, on infrastructure. But every time I see more roads being built in Israel, I'm always thinking, boy, they really need to. Think, them, think to themselves, do they really need this? Um, so, but but other, everything else, I you know, I was blown away by uh, in a lot of ways. Economically, it is absolutely probably one of the most promising developing countries in the world, no, no doubt about it. Jake, love getting your take on things. Uh, one thing we did learn: very easy to memorize the list of those who voted against the resolution <laughs> in the UN yesterday. Very easy. That's right. I want all yeshiva high school students to uh, to be able to recite that in class after uh, after prayers this morning. Yeah, it shouldn't take much time to learn it. That's for sure. Thanks so much. A good 2018 to you, and I greatly appreciate you joining me this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Jake Novak is a senior editorial columnist at CNBC. Has a great take on so many wonderful things. All the great news that we hear um, from Israel and the UN and the United States and the economy, etc., etc. And I thank him for joining us. Uh, those countries against the resolution. Here it is. Guatemala, Honduras, Israel, Marshall Islands, Micronesia, Nauru, Palau, Togo, and the United States of America. 13 minutes after 8 o'clock. It is a JM and the M Friday morning era of Shabbos. Rabbi Yudin is coming up next. Uh, next week, one week from now, Malcolm Holmline returns with a weekly update right here at JM in the AM. La, 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 inshallah, inshallah, la, 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 inshallah, inshallah, la, 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 inshallah, inshallah. Ahaba, ahaba, besha. 
in the AM. That's Yaakov Shweki. By the way, I wanted to mention that Jake Novak, who uh, just joined me and is the uh, senior editorial columnist at CNBC, he has a Twitter handle, as you would suspect, um, and with his tweets in the tens of thousands. And uh, that a Twitter handle is at Jake, Jake NY, at Jake, Jake NY. Check it out. Let him know how great he did this morning here at uh, JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayigash. Parshas Vayigash is an extremely emotional parsha whereby Yosef cannot hold back after the very emotional plea of Yehuda that not bringing Binyamin back would cause such great pain to the elderly father Yaakov, that Yosef, who it's clear what was his intention, Why didn't he, all the years, send his father a postcard, a message, saying, Abba, I am alive, don't worry about me? It's clear the Torah tells us that when Yosef first 
sees the brothers. In Parshas Miketz, the Torah says immediately that he remembered the Chalomos. He remembered his dreams. So it's clear that these dreams are not simply child fantasies, but rather they are nothing less than divine prophecies. And these prophecies needed to be fulfilled. And so the second dream you recall was that the stars and the sun and the moon bowed down to him. He had already accomplished the 11 stars, all his brothers bowing down to him. What was yet to be accomplished was that his father, Yaakov, would come and bow down to him. How would this happen? He would hold Binyamin, because after all, Binyamin was the thief with the cup of Yosef's having been found in Binyamin's bag. Yaakov would come down, bow down to Yosef, and thus the second dream as well will have been fulfilled in its entirety. Yosef could not hold back, and he reveals himself to his brothers. The brothers go back and bring Yaakov down, who is anxious to see Yosef prior to his passing. And the Torah tells us, and I call your attention to Chamishi in this week's parsha, beginning of chapter 46, and the Torah tells us that Yisrael, because it's not simply Yaakov as the individual, but now it's Yaakov as the head of the nation. Yisrael travels with all his family and possessions, comes to Be'er Sheva, and Vayizbach Zvachim, and he offers sacrifices, Lelokei Oviv Yitzchak, to the God of his father Yitzchak. What about his grandfather Yaakov? So if you look in the Ramban and read between the lines, it's really, you can sense this incredible emotion. What is it? Of course, Yaakov was very much tied to his grandfather, Avraham, as well. But why is he offering Korbanos only to his father, Yitzchak? Perhaps, let's recall, when there was a famine in the land, the Torah tells us, Avraham goes down to Egypt. When there was a famine in the land, Yitzchak wanted to go down to Egypt, but Hashem vetoed that decision and told him that he must stay in the land of Canaan. There's another famine now in the land of Canaan. <clears throat> Yaakov is hoping that Hashem will say to him what he said to his father. He was hoping his father would say, Yaakov, stay in the land. But that's not to happen. And so what does Hashem say to him? Watch. In Pasuk Gimel, Altira Merdom Don't be afraid 
to go down to Egypt. For I will make you into a great nation there. It is just there in the immoral Egypt that the Am Yisrael will be formed and will become a great nation. Now here is the incredible uh, message that God gives Yaakov akin, if you'd like, to that of the insurance policy which Yaakov received when he had that prophetic dream, vision of the latter. At that time, God gave him an insurance policy, and once again, here Hashem says, I will descend, go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up. So this is to be understood on several different levels. Literally, I will be with you when you go down to Egypt. And indeed, when the Torah tells us in that same chapter that how many souls came down to Egypt with Yaakov, the Torah says 70. If you count, you only count 69. So, you're going to say to me, ah, don't be so exact. Or you're going to tell me that Yocheved was born just as they came into Egypt. Or no, Hashem is the 70th. And if you fast forward to the end of Parsha's bow, and the Torah tells us how many left Egypt, so the Torah says, sheish me'osh elef, almost 600,000 Jews left Egypt. And what does that mean? According to one opinion, short one, oh no, not short one. Hashem fulfilled and made that number complete. So on one level, it means literally, Hashem is saying, I'm going to be going down with you and I will ascend with you as well. The Beis Halevi says a beautiful, powerful idea on these words, and that is as follows. Onochi, God is saying to Yaakov, my presence, my glory in this world is now inextricably bound with the destiny of the Jewish people. Onochi, my presence, that same word, which is the opening word of the Ten Commandments, Onochi, my glory, my shechina, my presence in this world, Ereid imcha, will go down with you when you go down. When you're down, I'm down. Vionochi and my presence, Aalcha, will go up, Gam Olo, when you go up. It's such a beautiful idea that we are so connected. The destiny of man and the destiny of Hashem is intertwined. The Jewish people and God, they are intertwined and we are in that regard, if you want to use that term, even wedded. And that's why very quickly in Yitz Hashem tonight most texts of the Sidurim, when we have the uh, one bakosha, the one request on Friday night, 
and on Shabbos morning, and on Shabbos afternoon at Mincha, the one request that we have in the davening on Shabbos is for more spirituality, right? May we be privileged to fulfill our mission in your Torah. Tahir libenu, purify our hearts. be'emes. And what do we have on Friday night? in the feminine, and Shabbos morning, in the masculine, and Mincha time on Shabbos, together, our rabbis see this as nothing less than a romantic rendezvous between God and the Jewish people. Friday night is the Arison. It's as if he is putting the ring on the finger of the Jewish people every Friday night. Shabbos morning is that chuppah, and Shabbos afternoon is the yichud. We are bound together, b'li ayin hara, with his glory. So this is what was told to Yaakov on his way down to Mitzrayim. And with this, we can understand very possibly the same use of the term that, please God, we're going to have in two weeks when we're going to read Pasha Shmos, and Moshe is at the burning bush, and Hashem says, Moshe, you're the one that I have tapped to lead my people out of Egypt. And what's Moshe's response in chapter 3 in Shmos, Pasuk 11? Mi onochi. Come on, I'm not the Anochi, you're the Anochi. You're the one that is supposed to take us out of Mitzrayim. Who am I to do this? So Vayomer, Hashem says to Moshe, Ki e'ye imach. Of course I am the one who will be doing it, but I'll be doing it through you. There is a relationship between God and man, and man helps bring about the destiny as to how God wants history and destiny to unfold in this world. And so, what you have in this week's parsha is that multi-levels. On the one hand, God is speaking to Yaakov specifically, and go down one level, you have specifically that he's speaking throughout history to all of Klal Yisrael. And this is such a powerful idea. And lest anybody say to themselves, well, this is very nice for Yaakov. What's in it for me? This is a very powerful calling to each and every one of us because we too help move destiny along. I'm going to cite from the Medrash Rabbah in Rus, in chapter 2, in the book of Rus, verse 14. The Torah tells us that Boaz, who was impressed with the modesty of Rus, tells his workers they should be kind, generous to her, and he himself quote, breaks bread with her. And what happens? The Torah, excuse me, the uh, Navi tells us that he says to her, chapter 2, verse 14, come over here, partake of the bread, and dip your morsel in the vinegar, mitavalt 
פיתח בחומץ, ותשב מצד הקוצרים, שיסת בסייד ההרוויסטרס, ויצפת לו קולי, he handed her parched grain, and she ate, she was satisfied, and even had some left over. Now listen to the comment of the Medrash. Um, Rabbi Yitzchok Bar Merion. The Torah, excuse me here, it's the Torah, yes, as we'll see, through Ruvain and Aaron, and it's the Navi in Rus that is teaching us, She'im Odomose Mitzvah, when you have a chance to do a mitzvah, Ya'asena Belevav Sholem, do it with a complete sense of integrity and purpose. Why? She'ilu Yeruvet Yodea, had Ruvain only known two weeks ago in Parshas Vayeshev that God would write regarding him, Vayishma Ruvain Vayatsileu Miyodam, that Ruvain's intent when he said to throw him in the pit was to save him, Bixefo Hoyomolicho Eitzaloviv. He would have literally put Yosef on his shoulders and brought him back to his father. And if Aaron would only know in two weeks from now in Parshas, <coughs> Shmos, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that God would write regarding him, that he was happy to see his brother Moshe come back after 60 years being away. And therefore, Hinehu Yotzei Lekrosecha, Hashem said to Moshe, your brother Aaron is going to greet you, Besupim Uvimucholos, Hoyotzei Lekroso. Had Aaron only known that his meeting Moshe would be recorded for posterity, for eternity, Aaron would have brought <coughs> a brass band. And finally, Boaz, had Boaz only known that Hashem would write in the book of Rus that he gave her some parched corn, oh my goodness, he would have agolos mifutamos hoyomachila. He would have given her the best prime meat. Ah, says the Medrash and continues. Rev. Yoshua Diskinen, in the name of Reb Levi, L'Sha'ovar, in the past, Hoya Adam Osem Mitzvah, an individual did a mitzvah, V'anavi Kosva, and the prophet would be the one to write it down. But V'achshav, and now, Kisha'odam Osem Mitzvah, now when we do a mitzvah, who knows about the private acts of kindness, goodness, of loyalty to our Misorah, performing mitzvos anywhere on this earth. Mi Kosva, who's taking note of it? Says the Medrash, Elio Kosva, Elio Navi writes it down. Umelech HaMoshiach V'Kodesh Baruch Hu, no one less than the Moshiach, and God Himself, Chosem Al Yedehem, literally signs on. How important is your actions? You shouldn't think and you shouldn't say to yourself, Eh, me, who am I, what am I? No, we're to learn from Parshas Vayigash that man moves the destiny together with Hashem and May each and every one of us be privileged to live up to our share, our responsibility in moving this glorious destiny along. Shabbat Shalom.
to all. JM in the AM on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayigash. My thanks to Arbayudin, of course, for those inspiring words. Candle lighting in the New York area, 412. 412, our candle lighting. Legal holiday on Monday, Rabbi Gil Student is going to be joining us. Rabbi Gil Student, who speaks at the Bialystoker Shul Monday morning, will be stopping by our studio on the way to the Bialystoker Shul on Monday uh, to join us. He is a book publisher, a pioneer Torah blogger, runs the Torah Musings website, writes frequently in Jewish newspapers and magazines on issues of halacha and hashkafa. He'll be here Monday at JM in the AM. Uh, coming up after um, uh, JM in the AM this morning, Naomi Nachman with a brand new edition of uh, Table for Two. Uh, that's going to be happening this morning. She'll be joined by uh, Billy Schwecky from Candy and Cattle. Three lucky listeners will have a chance to win some of the great candy and cattle beef jerky. And I want to thank them, by the way. They left some for me in the studio here, which I thank them for. And also, Instagram sensation chef Eitan Bernath and Rafi Bernstein of Impression Judaica will all join Naomi this morning between 9 and 10. You can see all the action at NahumSiegel.com. The video will be up on the homepage. You can hear it all, of course, on the NSN app and on all of our outlets. And that'll be followed by Mark Zomik's presentation of the Arab Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Well, uh, there's no question that, unfortunately, the story uh, of this Hanukkah was the tragic story of the Azan family. And Rabbi Yudin's words uh, this morning, of course, we dedicate to the memory of the four members of the Azan family who um, were killed in that tragic fire. There's an emergency campaign for the Azan family going on as we speak under the auspices of Rabbi David Ozeri. Um, you can donate by going to GoFundMe.com. GoFundMe.com. You'll find it under the Azan Family Fire Fund. Again, it's GoFundMe.com, the Azan Family Fire Fund. You can also make checks payable to Yad Yosef. Checks can be made payable to Yad Yosef. You can drop them off at Hatbox at 1837 Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn, or you could send those checks to the Arem family, A-R-E-M. 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, 11213. Again, uh, that's 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn. The zip code is 11213. Uh, Our good friend and community leader, Shimon Lefkowitz, is with us live via telephone because this coming Sunday night, there is a special program of Divrei Hisarus from prominent uh, Rabbanim in the Brooklyn community, uh, dedicated, of course, to the... uh, the tragedy into the memory of those who uh, were killed in this terrible tragedy during Hanukkah. Shimon Lefkowitz, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning. We've had we've had the opportunity to speak about so many wonderful things and so many fun things over the years. It is unbelievable that we have to speak about this. Uh, I don't even know what you could tell us as one of the people who obviously in that area has been following this story very, very closely. I don't even know what there is any more to say about all this. The the collective Jewish heart, as you know, and this is the collective Jewish heart around the world, um, is in pain from this incredible tragedy. And we can only imagine what the surviving members of the family are going through, and especially those who are seriously injured on top of that. It, it is an indescribable situation. On the piece of paper in front of me, Shimon, it says, A Tragedy Beyond Words. And I think uh, all we could say is that it's really just a time to unite and a time to to be there for the family and to respond properly to all of this at this point, correct? 
That is ex- absolutely correct. I first of all thank you so much for having me on this morning. Sure. And um, I, I tell you how this um, this Kinnis, uh this Divius Iris uh, program that's going to be Sunday evening um, really really uh, was born. Um, I, I have always throughout throughout the years when we hear of a tragedy, um, you know everybody gets gets you know everybody is is feeling the pain of of the the victims and so on and so forth and um you know we 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 at the time we're so we're so we're in pain and it goes on and but unfortunately and you could say fortunately the you know we have the gift of shikh of forgetful forgetfulness and um after a few days we get we we forget about it and we move on with our lives and we don't um seize the moment as they say right and we we have we you know i i think that it's important for all of us to at such a time for all of us to catch as we say again seize the moment and try to um uh, memorialize or try to to take this event, which obviously was meant for all of us, because if it wasn't, we would have not heard about it, we have not seen about it. We have... The fact that, that we all know about it and we're feeling for this means that we have to do something about it. And, of course, the GoFundMe is, is a very, very um, important thing, and that's, you know, we all feel like we want to do something. Right. And um, so that's, that's very important. But for ourselves and our own... Um, and our, and our own for us to 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 catch on and 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 at least do something for ourselves to whether it, you know spiritually to uplift us to 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 um to do something that we don't just go have the story come and go as we say and forget about it and then you know it's important for all of us to to um and therefore we have this um uh, we have this program that's this this coming sunday we have uh, unbelievable inspirational speakers as you uh i'm not sure if you mentioned that but um oh, yeah, first I of all by david ozeri is um you know he personally has a a um, connection with this family and um uh, the other speakers were Blippa Gelworth, Ravel uh, Brodney. i'm not, not in that order. i'm not i did not say that in any type of order but they are speakers who are can inspire us and can leave us with something that we want to take along with us. I personally know um, uh, Yosef Azan because I, like other people, have been into the hat box, and this is a gem of a person who has who has tremendous um, um, uh, love for for Jews, love for everybody. Come into the store, he's right away. He gives you that big smile. And um, you know, it's even obviously more painful when you know someone. But this is this is all part of it, you know. That we want to do something. The GoFundMe is a great great way to do this. But I, I'd like to invite everyone and urge everyone who can attend Sunday evening. This is something. It's not a a like, like we say a, a Svardish, um, uh, uh You know, we sometimes try to well. Oh, it happened to this different. Um, uh, type of Hasid, uh, sect of Jews, so this is not meant for us. This is meant, you know, that's not what we're supposed to think like, you know. Yeah, let me give the details to everybody. The tragedy in Flopbush, uh, as Shimon Lefkowitz has been describing, um, 
will have a community response. And, and as Shimon said, not just a financial response, but a spiritual response as well. This coming Sunday night on December the 24th, this Sunday night starting at 8 p.m. at Kahal B'nai Avraham Yaakov, which is 2701 Avenue N in Brooklyn, New York. It's our Bergman Shul. All men and women are invited to participate and to hear Divrei Hisorus from Harav Moshe Bergman, Marda Astrov Kahal B'nai Avraham Yaakov, Harav Elia Brodny of the Mir Yeshiva, Harav Lipa Geltworth Kahal Kol Torah, and Harav David Ozeri uh, Marda Astra of Yad Yosef. Everyone is invited. Everyone is encouraged to be there. Uh, knowing the nature of these events, I would suspect it will be packed, rightfully so. And obviously, in addition to uh, remembering uh, the victims of the um, Azan family, uh, as Shimon pointed out, the main part of Sunday night is the Divrei Hesorus, uh, just helping the community move forward, but move forward with uh, uh, with uh, a tremendous positive spiritual lift, please God, uh, from this tragedy. So everybody is invited, 2701 Avenue N in Brooklyn, New York, starting at 8 p.m. this coming Sunday night at Kahal B'nai Avraham Yaakov. You know, Shimon, uh, I, in, in many ways, it is really not a place for us to for us to discuss this on the air. Uh, but in many ways, a lot of people, including myself, just out of concern, want to know how these survivors are doing. Is there a general assessment you can give us? Is everybody on the road back to recovery? How would you describe how things are for those who survived this tragedy? I have to say, Nachum, that I am not... Um involved in that that's a meaning that i'm not not uh, uh i i don't have that type of information for you okay. um you know we we all read the same thing they, they are critically um um there are those uh, who are in critical condition now we know right 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 and um i you know it's 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 just one of these things that uh that um i guess you know as the the news you know as we we, we hear in the news that um we are recovering, and um, it's going to be a long process, whatever it is. Yeah, we continue and, uh, to pray for we them. We still need the tulos and everything else, but I just want to say something else. Sure. You know, you, you mentioned this was the story of Hanukkah, mm-hmm. of this year's Hanukkah. Right. And, you know, um, Hashem sent us a um, wonderful chesed, right after, unfortunately, right, right after the story, He sent us a tremendous chesed with the release of Shom Mordechai Rabashkin. Right. Um, and we all know the story. We all, sure. we all, we all were so happy and celebrated that that night. But it's not something that you know. So it seems that this, this the story of the Azan family is seems to have gotten lost in a, in a sense because of the big we, news afterwards. Because of right. the big news afterwards, right. and we say, oh, you know, everybody's. It's it's basically what happens. But you know, yeah, it the, gets the lost, thing, especially the these natural. days. These days, things get lost immediately. Yeah, right, right. Oh, but but there's still a lot of um, uh, you know we have to just think about what what like you had mentioned earlier what the family is going through right now right. what the survivors are going through now um, you have um, um, one boy young boy who is uh, Baruch Hashem thank God he was able to escape um, and um, he has he's living with with the fact that he has unfortunately no mother and lost his uh, his uh, uh, three members of his family, yeah. and um, you know he himself is uh, going through. I, I, we can all only imagine what he's going through. 
So it's 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 very good that we um, are uh, celebrating, but we do have to um, we have to think about about uh, what what happened just a few days ago, and and, and hopefully, Mr. Shem, we all can respond to it. Uh, it's Sunday night. The community response is Sunday night. Divrayasaurus. Uh, obviously, an opportunity as well to remember the victims of the uh, of the tragedy in Flatbush from the Azan family. Um, but as Shimon described, the purpose uh, to to gain, yeah, believe it or not, one can gain from the um, aftermath of a community tragedy like this. And uh, to that end, the Divrei Hisoros on Sunday night will be delivered by Rav Moshe Bergman, Rav Alia Brundi, Rav Lipa Geltworth, and Rav David Ozeri. This Sunday night, 8 o'clock, Kahal B'nai Avraham Yaakov, 2701 Avenue N, Avenue N in Brooklyn, New York. Men and women are invited. Also, as uh, Shimon mentioned, he and I remind everybody that the emergency campaign for the Azan family is a certainly a necessary campaign and one that they want to see be very successful so that the family can help rebuild or we could help the family rebuild. Uh, the GoFundMe.com, GoFundMe.com, search Azan Family Fire Fund. You also make checks payable to Yad Yosef. Make your checks payable to Yad Yosef. Drop them off at the hat box at 1837 Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn or mail them to the Arem family, A-R-E-M. And they are at 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, New York, 11213. Again, that's 1126 East 23rd Street, Brooklyn, New York, 11213. Shimon Lefkowitz, Yashikach, I'm sure. Thank you so much. If I just mention one thing, sure. um, this is under the auspices, the GoFundMe program is under the auspices of David Ozeri. Right. And people should uh, be, able, be be satisfied and be... Confident. Um, they should be confident that it's... Uh, that they're confident yeah. that this is going straight straight to the families and um, straight to the family and... Um, um, and this is what, the only organization that has been authorized as to... Uh, to that I know of, right. that is um, um, that is using this GoFundMe, and so um, it's important for people to realize that. Yes, yeah, a very important point, in fact. So everybody out there uh, know that Rabbi Ozeri supervises this fund, and be confident that the money goes straight to the Azan family. Shimon Yashikach, good luck. Thank son- you. Good luck, Sunday night. Have, have a wonderful Shabbos. Have a wonderful Shabbos. There he is, Shimon Lefkowitz, our good friend and community leader, and uh, he, of course. Uh, I'm sure others as well responsible to put together this event Sunday night in Brooklyn. Make sure to be there, everybody, to gain spiritually and to remember the Azan family and um, the community uh, response, both financially and spiritually, extremely important. More coming up. It's a JM and the AM Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Vayigash, candle lighting at 412 here in the New York area. Ari Goldwag at JM and the AM. <laughs> Simcha, Oyla Yehudim, 
It's uh, Ari Goldwag with Menucha Vesimcha. Reminder, Congregation Talmud Torah of Flatbush has Rabbi Stephen Brzezanski tomorrow night in their big lecture series. The future of non-Orthodoxy is the topic. Rabbi Stephen Brzezanski tomorrow night at Congregation Talmud Torah of Flatbush, 1305 Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Our very own Rabbi Tzvi Ram of the Bialystoker Shul visits the Young Israel of Fairlawn tonight and tomorrow. That's right, holds his scholar in residence. Young Israel of Fairlawn on Saddle River Road will be a shear at the Young Israel tonight on the Three Oaths Policy Statement for the State of Israel, question mark. Shabbos morning, Drusha, Shalashudah Shear on Inyana Dioma, and much, much more by Ram at the Young Israel of Fairlawn this Shabbos. Enjoy Rabbi Ram there in Fairlawn. And a reminder, Dougie was here yesterday. We are part of the Douglas Sokolov experience happening this coming Pesach in Las Vegas at the uh, Weston Lake Las Vegas Resort and Spa. Get your information. Get ready to enjoy an amazing Pesach, as only Douglas Sokolov and Prestige Caterers can do. Uh, 1-800-826-5645. 1-800-826-5645. Or... There's a website, SokolovExp.com, S-O-C-L-O-F-E-X-P.com. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys. It's JM in the AM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. I'm a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find the gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job Cause all your work is done Go 
gonna spend a day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning. They'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos well into the night. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday morning era of Shabbos here at JM and the AM. Don't forget JM Sunday. Matis has it starting at 7 a.m. Sunday morning. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami. Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek at 10 a.m., Right after Naomi Nachman and a brand new edition of Table for Two, which is next. You can watch it on the home page of NachumSiegel.com. And of course, listen in right now on your NSN app and comment away on the NSN app. Monday morning, we're back. Rabbi Gill's student is going to be joining us. Make sure to uh, join us for that conversation on Monday. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.